welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all those things that culture doesn't want to talk about. That will scare you. Well, hey, Nathan, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You're looking good. Thank you. I, I am feeling I am feeling fat and sassy. Thank you. Well, you know, you, you, you sent to the group chat today that uh, you'd, you'd gained a, a pound or two. You're 174 now. Um, so you went up. Uh, you were down at 170 there. You were looking pretty good. And then now, Christmas happened. But, you know, that's what all of our listeners want to talk about is... <laughs> Is how I gained four or five pounds over Christmas. Uh, I don't care the what they that, want to talk about. How about the fact that you've never yet I, made it to one seventy? Whoa, whoa, whoa! You were like nineteen the last first time of you all, were one seventy. First of all, Nathan, we uh, don't need to. Um, we don't need to be in the weight that we were when we were boys because we are men. And the fact that you are one seventy, I feel like that's just too. That's too light, man. How are you going <laughs> to defend your family? When I, you need to because I have firearms. <laughs> And firearms and a golden retriever that will lick people to death. If okay? you, I am not worried about my my extra five pounds being able to somehow <laughs> stave off a murderous rampage into my home. Well, you know, if if there is a murderous rampage into your home, uh, you know, our guest that we have on today is uh, it's good that he's on because he's a doctor, and we're not really going to talk about your uh, weight loss journey or mine or weight gain journey, whatever we want. We, we can talk it to about be. your decrepit hip. Uh, we could. And, and how you have That's to get a, get a crutch to walk across to reach your firearm That's, in your house. Good point. How's that sound? That's a good point. Well, now you're making fun of a cripple, so <laughs> that's just not nice. Uh, but we have a doctor on the line with us. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he was a health freedom warrior. I met him on the activist kind of trail when we were defending uh uh, people That's all awesome. over the country for uh, from these mandates that were forcing people against their will to put things into their bodies that they didn't want there. And so uh, he's a friend of mine. His name is Dr. Dan Stock. Dan, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you, man. Um, Dr. Stock, we wanted to bring you on because you've obviously proven your uh, your your conservative uh, cred you've got your uh, you've got your uh, backbone totally intact you're not afraid to go up to the establishment put everything on the line and tell people what's right and what's wrong and and so you've been doing that for a couple of years now that at least that I've known you and I'm sure you know well before that as well but you gained national prominence when you stood up at a school board meeting and uh, and Tucker Carlson picked you up and and you were on his show uh, and so real briefly before we get into the topic today kind of Tell us about that journey, like how people kind of around the country got to know uh, Dr. Daniel Stock. Well, uh, actually, even before that video went out, um, I had been doing uh, an association with uh, a young housewife from here in Indiana, free clinics where I would actually give medical advice and exemption letters to people about the vaccine. Uh, that we were having a thing they could come. i teach them about the Convention of States. That was the only obligation they had. Then we'd have a consultation with them all. They'd hear the group lecture. to come up one at a time. We'd write them a letter of exemption to try and get them out of the shot. Um, and because of that, I got asked by one of the people who's in my uh, school district here to do the uh, to go to the school board here at Mount Comfort, um, excuse me, Mount Vernon School District uh, about the mask mandate that they were getting ready to put a contingency plan in for. And uh, didn't even know that that video was being uh, uh, that the meeting was being videotaped. Um, next day, one of, one of my neighbors came up to me and said, Hey, I saw your video and I thought you did it really, really well. And I thought he was referring to a different video until he told me, No, Dan, that thing's got 10 million hits on Twitter. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. With, that was on a Saturday because it was Friday was when, the, uh, when I did the testimony. And Saturday, I went back and already my email at my practice was so loaded up with people wanting treatment for COVID 19. Um, then when Tucker Carlson called, is like, man, I had to shut the practice down to do admissions because I can't take people in this fast. And uh, since then, I've been doing lectures with the Global COVID Summit Group, um, which is Richard Urso and uh, Peter McCulloch, Ryan Malone, um, excuse me, Robert Malone, Ryan Cole, uh, that group, uh, Kat Lindley, trying to get people educated on the basic science and why nothing that's coming out of our federal government has anything to do with science right now. Uh, to protect them for this. And as part of that, I, I did a lot of testimony at the state house, a lot of lobbying with different legislators, and got, uh, which was the second time I'd done that, by the way. 2016, I started lobbying them on the behalf of the Convention of States 
So I've had a fair experience now being the worst kind of lobbyist because I'm the guy who shows up to lobby with information and no money. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I've got to see the legislature at its worst from that, but that's kind of how it all came about. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. And really it's a beautiful story of you just speaking truth and kind of, you know, that truth echoing in the hearts of men everywhere, right? Like just people all around the country just said, man, this is guy, he could, he's fighting for us. And, and, and 2020 and 2021, people were just looking for those who would stand with them and fight with them. And, and you did that so well. And, and I, I think God is blessing you because you were willing to stand up for truth. And, but you've been threatened by the medical boards. You've been threatened by, you know, people within your own community of friends, which you, you know, you thought probably were your friends. And now you're realizing that they're not really your friends anymore. But to that point, you you show up with information. You're you're really a brilliant guy. I mean, you you research things and you don't just you don't regurgitate the status quo. You actually take time to research and understand, and then you come back with some really fascinating um, and great insight on on all kinds of things. To that point, the convention of states. I didn't realize that it was a timeshare deal where if you want a exemption, a vaccine exemption, you had to sit through a convention of states uh, uh, timeshare uh, thing, which is I think is brilliant because you're teaching people about the Constitution and then uh, and then you know meeting their needs where they're at. So I, kudos to you on that. But um, you understand the process of how our government runs. And I think that's where so many people around our country don't even know the first thing about how our government works. And so you come in and you say, we're going to change it. And I know the process, so I know really what to say and how to change it. And so today we're bringing you on because, you know, not not so much to talk about the vaccine stuff, but to talk about the um, the procedural changes that you are working towards in Indiana at the state level to make sure that the government works for the people, and um, and 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 so we wanted to we wanted to, you to hit on that today. So tell us about kind of the why behind this, and and how we can actually get our representatives to really do the will of the people, or at least know where they truly stand on issues. So. So tell us kind of the kind of what's going on there. Yeah, so people kind of need to know that when the legislative branch of governments were designed by the founding fathers, the reason they wanted it to be the most powerful branch was they anticipated that what would happen was a representative from all the different areas would come together. There would be this debate where the values of all the different areas of the country, both geographically and numerically, would be worked out to the thing that was most comfortable to the strong majority of people, and that's how laws would get made. Um, And so debate was considered the hallmark of this, and at that time, you were looked upon as somebody who was really good in your community if you could be in a debate and, and wrangle this through and find that, and you were considered a real scoundrel if you tried to avoid a debate. Um, unfortunately, that has not what's, uh, what uh, legislatures have evolved to at any level, from a school board all the way up to the federal legislature we have today. Um, the rules that these chambers operate by, um, they were kind of designed at a time when everybody knew that the leader of that chamber was going to be facilitating debate, and that's what the rules were designed to let him do. But right now, those rules have become really... Um, terribly abused for a totally different purpose. And so people need to know right now what happens when you and I elect somebody as a senator or representative, either at the state or at the federal level. We give that guy our power and say, you're allowed to represent us. And the first thing he does is walk into the legislature and give it all away to the leader of the chamber. Usually it's the Speaker of the House or the President Pro Tem of the Senate. And when I say give it away, the rules, they do that by voting for the rules of the chamber. Uh, these rules of the chamber give that leader of the chamber the ability to make a bill so that it will be filed, but never get debated on and never voted, and even can make it so that you can file a bill to make it your constituents think you feel one way and are on their side, knowing that that bill is never going to see the light of day, you'll never be recorded to, required to vote on it to show how you really feel, and it can be used as a campaign uh, uh, token that way when you go for re-election. And the way this is done is by the control of committees, 
and the uh, control of objections. So a little bit of legislature basics. Uh, when you file a bill, you go in there and it has a first reading, and then the leader of the chamber assigns that to a committee. Uh, the committee chairman gets to decide whether or not that bill is going to get a hearing. It gets a hearing, and then the committee can pass or reject the bill. And if they reject it, it's dead. But they have to have a vote on it to kill it. Um, even if they just table it, they have to have a vote to table it. Um, if the committee passes it, then it comes back to the entire chamber on what they call second reading. And on second reading, they if it's been amended in committee, they read the newly amended law or the new, newly amended bill. And then on second reading, anybody in the chamber can stand up and say, I'm going to propose this amendment. Um, the cha anybody in the chamber can then say, well, you know, I think that amendment's out of order. And then a decision has to be made on whether or not it's out of order. If it's out of order, it never even gets debated. Nobody votes on it. And right now, the way the rules work in our legislatures, the committee chairman is named by the leader of the chamber and can be removed by the leader of the chamber if he doesn't like what the committee chairman's doing. Um, they frequently tell committee chairman, I'm assigning this bill to your committee, and I never want you to give it a hearing. You know, we had to file this bill because Joe's up for re-election next year, and his people are really hot on his tiny, and he wants them to think that he really supports this, but the lobbyists don't like it. So he's proposed this bill, so they'll think he's great. You're going to kill it in committee. Wow. Um, yeah, and so the committee chairman, you have to understand why a committee chairman would do this, because it makes this committee chairman sound like some mass mustache-twillering villain. Well, it's not quite that simple. you got to remember, he wants to be the committee chairman, because then the bills that are near and dear to his constituents will always get hearings, all right? And he can get them through. And so, uh, you know, he really wants that power, but there's this price he has to pay for it now that he has to do with the leader of the chamber says. So, not to stop you here, but this is why picking a Speaker of the House is so important, because the Speaker picks the, the leaders of the committees. The committees are the gatekeepers, ultimately, to what bills the, that will actually make it to the floor to see the light of day for all the representatives to vote on. And so, you know, to your point earlier about robust debate, you know, we just came off of this hotly contested U.S. speakers uh, race in 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 the House in out in Washington uh, last week. Fifteenth time, it's charm. Yeah, right. Fifteen <sighs> vote. Fifteen votes to to get uh, McCarthy elected to speaker because of the rebels, the twenty rebels, right? And I loved it because it's the first time I remember in my life seeing all the members in the chamber for that long debating, hotly debating an issue. Right. right, And it was like, wow, this is actually what it was designed to be all the time. And, you know, when you turn on C-SPAN now and you <laughs> you see a guy speaking or a congresswoman speaking at the, at the in the House, there's like one person in the entire chamber. I'm like, who are they talking to? You know, like <laughs> nobody's even there. Like, what? Why are you wasting your time? But they're, you know, it's just pomp and circumstance. Like, well, I'm going to. I'm going to get recorded saying this so I can go back to my constituents and say, look what I said in Washington when really nobody was, none of the members are there to even listen to it. There's no debate going on. And you're telling us, Dr. Stock, that it's because the way the rules of the chambers are set up. And so you're looking to change those rules. So you kind of gave us a, a great sort of preface of kind of the system and how it's stacked against the incoming reps and stacked against the people. So what do we, what do we do about it now? So what are you proposing should be done? Cause I think most people would say, well, that's okay. That's terrible. But what do we do? Yeah. You know, there's actually a second thing people need to know about uh, before we go into the fixes of it, because there's a second way this is broken. Um, and that is, you know, somebody could, you know, get one bill. Let's say you got a, a bad bill about health freedom. Uh, that kind of restricts health freedom. And it gets out of the committee and comes to the floor on second reading. Uh, another representative could go file an amendment to change the language to be something that was really good. And now the whole the whole uh, chamber will have to vote on that amendment. Well, you know, if you really want to do the lobbyists and not serve your, your constituents, you don't really want to do that. So instead, they'll have one member of the chamber will object to the amendment 
on some procedural grounds. Usually they say it's not germane or there's another bill pending in the other chamber, which has got similar language. And once they make that objection, the decision of whether or not we're going to even entertain this amendment is made by the leader of the chamber. And he can just say, well, you know what? I'm going to just rule that this is not germane or that this is out of order. And now we don't have to debate. We don't ever have to vote on how we felt about it. Now, the, the chamber can challenge the leader's rule when he does that. But God help you if you do that. Because now the leader of the chamber is going to make sure all of your bills die and you'll never get anything done. <laughs> They'll throw you out of the party caucus. Well, and so basically, it's another way they can kill. If one guy just got into his man. I'm just not going to pay attention to what the leader of the chamber wants. I'm going to propose my amendment anyway. You still won't get a debate to happen on it because the leader of the chamber is going to kill it. So, Doctor Stock, Doctor Stock, I have a question. Uh, yeah how how did the rules look when you know when the country was young? Where did this yeah. go off course? Because I can't imagine that that was always the frame that, you know, the, the framers mindset. Well, I think it started to go off course when lobbying developed. Um, Cause as soon as lobbying developed, you know, being a great debater and representing your, your constituency was no longer profitable and it didn't keep you in the building anymore. With lobbying, it became useful to make your constituency think you felt one way when you really felt another. And it's important for people to know that many of the people in the chamber they're trapped by this system now. Um, they, they may actually care what their constituents want and try and pull it off. But if they're the minority part of this, they can be actually have their careers destroyed by the leader of this chamber because these rules gave him so much power and weren't a problem at a time when the, the mindset of a legislature was never to abuse them. But lobbyists have given them a reason to abuse them. Um, and, and now we see the weaknesses of these rules. As a matter of fact, in the recent thing with the uh, with uh, Representative McCarthy's attempt to become Speaker of the House, the one rule change that the rebels wanted that he would not give in on is who got to choose the committee chairman. Uh, yeah, because in that point, you really don't have much power as a speaker. Then you know, like what? That's, <laughs> and, that's right. And and you know the the hotly contest contested committee that the rebels wanted a say in wasn't like the judiciary. It wasn't ways and means. It wasn't you know foreign affairs. It was the rules committee. And I thought that that's was right. interesting because they were saying right. we want members of the Freedom Caucus on the Rules Committee, and that was a pretty hot topic for in a concession that I don't think McCarthy and and some of the more moderates wanted to make. And and that just tells you right there where the power really lies when they're fighting for spots on the Rules Committee. You're like, oh, okay. And so, just so the listeners know, rules can change every session. It there is. It's not like. It's not state constitutional law. It's not law. It's just a rule of how we're going to do business. And so, so a new a new speaker, a new leadership could come in and they can overhaul the rules. You know, you know, the next day. A great example of that was um, Nancy Pelosi was allowing vote by proxy. Well, that was a rule that was put in place during COVID, but it was just it was it was still going on until until McCarthy came in and ended it within the first you know few I think hours. I saw today that they will not. Uh, bring up a bill for 87 hours or something like that. Yeah, so that yep. was yep, that was another thing so where that everybody yep. has time to read it. So that was a rule. So so the listeners know rules aren't law. I think they they think the way that everything happens down at the state house is dictated by by statute and it's not. It's it's the rules of the it's the rules of the house, right? It's the rules of whatever the leaders want it to to be and they and then they make law that way. So, but, when, but but are those yeah. established at the outset of a new Congress, or is that at any point they can change the rules? So all this fighting the that thing. the Freedom Conference did, you yeah. know, the Freedom Caucus did, is that is that in cement now for this Congress, or can they change that any any time they want? Well, they can. That's the important thing to know, and why they wanted to control and representative on the Rules Committee. Um, you know, the rules of the chamber are very interesting. They're made by simple majority. Uh, it doesn't require a two-thirds majority to set them. Uh, the other chamber of the legislature and the executive branch have no control over them. 
So it's not like if the if the House wanted to change its rules, the Senate could prohibit it. The governor can't veto it. It's actually the weak spot in the tyrant's armor. Um, because at any time in the session, uh, the, the members can vote to change these rules. Um, and that's actually the powerful point in this. Um, because um, if we decide that, look, legislature, the rules you're using right now are not making you very representative of the population. Um, we can actually take your refusal to vote on or even to propose these rule changes. We can use that against you because you don't do it. And that's where this actually becomes the ability to take the mediocre legislatures, legislators who would like to do the right thing but are afraid, give power to the ones who really do want to represent those and have the courage to take their beating for it, and drive the weak ones who really don't want to do their job. They just want to collect a check and maybe move up the political food chain and drive them out of this. That's amazing. Uh, because, yeah, because the, the three rules we propose changing, the first is to make it so that the committee chairman ser- is chosen by and serves at the pleasure of his committee. Now, if he says, well, I'm going to kill these bills that have been sent to me, and it's one of the committee members who put that in there, it's like, hey, you know, dude, we can pick you out if you're actually not being good to us, and you don't have to be frightened of the leader of the chamber anymore because he can't remove you. That's great. Now, uh, now the leader would still be able to pick the committee members, correct? That's true. He'll have that ability, which is fine. Which is which is fine yeah. because you know you got to have committees, right, to be formed somehow. And and yeah. but but it's really hard to control a whole committee. It's a lot easier to control one person of that committee. Okay, but can they change the committee members after the committee has been determined? Can they change that mid-course or does that only start uh, only start at the beginning of session? You Well, right now the speaker has the, the speaker and the leader the chamber leader has the ability to change the committee anytime he wants. But there's a work around his power there. That's the second thing we want to change. Okay. And that's the creation of something called a discharge petition. Which means that hey, when I file my bill in the legislature, I can also file and create this thing called a discharge petition. And what we want is to say that if a discharge petition is signed by either 40% of the committee or 40% of the entire chamber, then that bill must have a hearing, whether the committee chairman wants it to or not. So there's a couple benefits to that. Um, First of all, anything that has, since we're only setting the threshold at 40%, if it's something that's probably important enough that a strong minority want to have it debated, it's going to be kind of hard to dodge the debate. The other advantage it gives us is if, an, if a, a legislator wants to go file an insincere bill to make it look like he cares about this when he doesn't, He's got a problem now. So an example he, an example of that would be let's just say like a, a constitutional carry bill where you know the constituents are strongly for for the second amendment and the 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 representative knows that he's got to please that base so he'll go file an insincere constitutional carry bill and he can't really get away with that anymore because now He's gonna have he's he, he's gonna be have to put his money where his mouth is. Correct? Is that is that what I hear you saying? Because yeah. we're gonna go to him and say, okay, you filed the bill. Did you file a discharge petition? If he says no, well, it's like, well, you didn't really care about your own bill. The other thing it does is it makes all the other legislators so they can't hide. Because then you can go to them and say, hey, you know, Representative So and So filed his constitutional carry bill. Did you sign his discharge petition? Because if you don't sign his discharge petition, you just showed you didn't care about the topic in the bill either. That's, um, that's great. And so it, it kind of makes it so that, yeah, the, the, the speaker of the chamber can still not- still assign people to committee, and, it, and he can do so for the convenience and the easy function of the legislature. But he can't really stop legislation by doing so. Now all of the people in the chamber really do have to tell you how they feel about a given bill. Um, so this insincere, hey, I just want to look for it for my look good for my next election, won't work anymore. Um, now it's either when I make a bill, I've really got to believe in that bill. 
we've had an explosion of bills being filed in the last uh, several years. Many of them just duplicates of something that's already been filed by somebody else. Let's say like a, you'll file three, um, three bills on health freedom. There was a bunch of them filed. Most of them looked very, very similar. Almost none of them got any hearings. All the ones that didn't look, that looked really good, they never got hearings. All right. But the ones that did get hearings were the ones that really weren't all that good a bill. They weren't really what the people of Indiana wanted, but that's the one that could get through committee. If you have discharge petitions, the number of bills to get filed goes down. Because now it's like, look, I'm not going to do this dog and pony show. I can't get away with it. They'll all know that I didn't put in a discharge petition for it. And my colleagues who really don't, you know, they don't really like the idea of discharge petitions because now we can be held because we didn't support your bill. Um, it makes everybody have to step up to the plate. Which, And then the last change we want is a change that goes on on second reading, which is where some right now if somebody stands up and says, well, I think that amendment on second reading is just not germane. Right now, the, the leader of the chamber can just kill it and say, nope, it's not germane. Nobody challenges them because I'll ruin their political careers. We want to change the rule that says if somebody stands up and says, that rule's not germane, I object to it. The entire chamber must immediately vote on it on a roll call vote, which means if you decided to rule this thing out of order and kill it, we're going to know you did it. And if we're going to know you supported it. Um, it takes away the power of the, speak, of the leader of the chamber to do that, and now nobody can hide behind that leader. And about a third of the legislature are really guys who don't really want to do their jobs. They don't really want to be in debates. They really just want to get their check and, and get their uh, – their constituents to think they care, and they like the idea that there's power in this leader because that way they can hide behind him. Change the ability on second reading so that they all have to vote to kill debate on a bill, and all of a sudden you're going to see exactly where they stand on this. Um, and, that's, and that's just amazing. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so simple. It's so just, you know, it, it I, I don't know who in their right mind would be opposed to this, right? Like if you ask the average Joe on the street, you kind of explain it the way you explained it and said, you know, this just really gives every representative a very good, uh, a strong voice, but also it, it makes it very transparent for you, the voter, to see really exactly where they stand on almost every issue who would be against this? Doesn't that require no, people that want to be known for truth and, and, <laughs> and, and not known for being able to play politics? Oh, I mean, you're, you're so liars taking, would be against this. Yeah, I think so. You, you'd <laughs> Lazy people will be against it. Tyrants won't care for it. Oh, um, other, than, other than lazy, tyrannical, uh, insincere liars, it's got no downside. Um, it, you know, the... Uh, there's a group of people who are going to try and make the claim, I'm pretty sure, that, oh, well, you know, these rules are in place so that we can, you know, have an orderly uh, procedure through all of this. And, you know, we'll just have bills coming out of our ears. And how will we dispose of the bad bills? And it's like, no, you understand the reason you have bad bills right now is because people are doing the dog and pony show. Yeah. When they realize that they're not going to be able to get out from underneath this subject, that we're going to have to debate something controversial and come up with a solution that makes everybody happy, you're going to see fewer bills get filed. Which is um, beautiful. Which is beautiful. This is one of my big pet peeves with uh, the state legislature and with the with federal with uh, with with Congress is they file so many bills. And what people don't realize when they say, "Why is our law?" We want our lawmakers to get things done. And and I I understand the sentiment, but at the same time, they're lawmakers. When they file a bill, that's another law that potentially would go into place, which means that's another rule that we all have to follow in society. And there are thousands upon thousands of laws on the books that we have to follow when when you can, when I can fit the Constitution in my pocket, but I need a room, a a, a two story room to fill, uh, uh, so that I could put the laws of our land in right now, it it is it's astronomically insane, and and I love the idea that we kind of keep lawmakers from doing their job a little bit in the sense of they won't be able to just make all of these new frivolous laws, and so. You're, you're making the claim that this will actually limit the number of frivolous 
laws that go into place just for, you know, politics and, and showmanship. And it will really kind of whittle it down to really the the ones that ne- are necessary, the ones that really are good for our culture, our society. Example, you yeah. think that, you know, gas stoves should be permitted, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and, right. and AOC could think something else, yep. but she's not going to bring her stupid idea to the floor because of all the work she would have to do. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. we get to keep our ca- gas stoves and thus we would protect freedom. I love it. I love it. And even if you have this one local legislator who stands up and says, yeah, I'm going to propose the gas stoves be, bar- be banned because I think they emit toxins. They can propose that, but nobody fears a debate except a tyrant and a liar. As soon as you propose that bill, everybody around you in your legislature is going to look around and say, look, there's no way I'm going back to my constituents to take responsibility for passing a bill that says they can't have a gas stove. All right? So you can propose that crazy thing. I'm not going to sign your discharge petition. I won't get in trouble for not signing your discharge petition because nobody wants that. And now the lobbyists have much less power in the legislature because the constituents have much more power. So, you know, a couple of great examples of where I saw this play out. Um, Senator Toms filed the most wonderful amendment uh, in the uh, Senate, a most wonderful bill in the Senate to block vaccine discrimination in the last session. Um, never got a hearing. Just completely was killed. Um, we actually had a legislation when the um, House bill that was supposed to tackle uh, the COVID-19 stuff, when it finally did get to the floor, we had a wonderful amendment filed by one legislator. It was exactly the language I gave him. He never called it up for amendment because he was told, hey, that's, we don't want to vote on that, so don't you dare do it. Representative John Jacobs filed very good language that would have made it do the right thing. Got objected to on second reading. Leader killed it. Nobody was willing to challenge it because the guy who uh, the guy who has his his uh, amendment objected to he's not allowed to do the appeal. Um, and so uh, another great example of this two sessions ago when they were trying to restrain the powers the emergency powers of the governor. There were two bills filed. One of them that would have said, "Look." You get an emergency for 14 days, and after 14 days, the emergency either goes away or you must call a special session of the legislature. Which is a good, that which is a good, yeah, yeah, good bill. Great idea, right? Never got out of committee. Wow. Never even got a hearing. Wow. Instead, the one that came down is the one that said, well, after a month, the leader of the two chambers can get together and make a special session happen. Jeez. Uh, and so Jeez. the legislature looks like it had done something good for us, but the really good thing that we wanted to do, it never even got out of committee. Now, you let the committee chairman have the freedom to bring that thing up, and you make discharge petition so it doesn't matter if he doesn't do it anyway, and you would have seen the House push this thing right up to the front. We'd have had the right amendment we wanted. I can just about guarantee it. Wow. Um, so you've actually up. you've actually even run this idea by uh, you've got a, a legislative friend um, out in Texas and you've said he's a uh, he's someone that you've kind of you know he's he knows the the inner workings of legislative uh, rules and Robert's orders and and all this all this stuff uh, and 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 you tell me what you tell me uh, or our listeners what he told you when you said it, are there any holes in this? Could, could you find anywhere that, you know, if this was implemented out in Texas, you know, what did he tell you? Um, actually he was, he and I debated and he said, Dan, I can't see anything going wrong with this except that we're going to have legislatures that work. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, he said, uh, everything, in fact, he used the phrase spontaneously that I love you most. He says, you know, Dan, this diffuses the power so that it's not concentrated in a single man. Mm. And, of course, concentration of power is whether you're a socialist or a communist or a crony capitalist or a fascist. The things these all have in common is highly concentrated power in the hands of a single individual. And so he said, no, this is perfect. It, it, you know, he said the 40% number, it's, uh, it's a high enough number that frivolous bills that have no prayer that no one in the – Nobody even wants to debate because they're so frivolous. They won't get through. But it's a low enough number that something that needs to be debated is still going to make it to the floor. 
uh, the chairman are going to feel more comfortable because now they don't have to worry all day long uh, about whether the speaker or the, or the president pro tem likes them. It's like, look, you're not the way I get to be chairman anyway. Um, that chairman's going to be paying attention to his committee. And people on the committee will be like, look, I can't dodge this bullet. If we try and kill it, the other part of the chamber that, you know, if they got 40% of people in the chamber support it, then it's going to get rushed down our throat. We might as well look like the good guys and start the debate anyway. Um, he thought everything about it was the way it wanted to work. And this is a guy that I talked with in the Global COVID Summit group. He actually is a state legislator, comes and speaks because he helped uses our advice to try and fix the uh, laws of Texas. And when I mentioned this to him, he's kind of like, well, I think I'm going to try and get some of this going in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for the, the average person out there listening, I think a question comes up. What's the percentage chance we get this done? Well, you know, at first I'm going to say is it doesn't matter. And I'm going to tell you why it doesn't matter. Because if you don't, we're all going to be speaking Chinese or wearing swastikas and doing whatever the world economic for what. So we're going to have to have it, all right? Um, people need to know that the reason things are going bad in the country, you may hate the executive branch and think the judicial branch is terrible. But the only reason these guys are even involved is because our legislatures have passed really stupid laws that made this possible by concentrating the power and giving away their power to the executive branch. So if you tell me what I think the chances are going to work are, I think they're pretty good. And I'll give you some reasons why. Um, first of all, it's kind of hard to hide. Right now, the only reason this is getting a, that they're getting away with it is nobody knows how the legislature rules work. We do a good educational campaign and teach everybody that, hey, look, they're hiding from you and pulling your chain by doing this. I think the next thing you're going to see is everybody going, uh-oh, uh, this isn't going to, I won't get reelected if I, if I don't get on the right side of this fight. Second of all, we've got a real opportunity now. Um, and it comes from two different sources. Uh, first of all, um, the majority of both houses are not very happy with their leadership. Um, in the Senate, as a matter of fact, at the organization day a little over a month ago, uh, there were 10 senators who tried to remove the president pro temp. By the way, three of them are committee chairmen and immediately got sacked uh, by the, the president pro tem for having led that, for trying to do that. So um, not, to, not to stop you there, but, but uh, a lot of that came because of the special session when uh, Senator Mike Young uh, was trying to make the abortion bill language stronger so that we would restrict abortions uh, and protect life, and the Senate pro tem did not want that he was he, he they wanted a weak bill to go through and he lost he was a leader in the senate mike young was and and he got his hand slapped big time by the the senate senator pro tem and and uh and and he he lost his chairmanship and i think uh even what you're referring to in the organization day a good friend of mine he's a senator from huntington area andy zay he lost his chairmanship uh because he was one of the tenants says listen we wanted to debate this. You shot it down. We were standing for life, and you wouldn't even let us have a, deba a debate on it. And keep in mind, this is a Republican supermajority, right? And this had to do right. with abortion, one of the pinnacle issues that the Republicans has have have staked their claim in for the last 50 years. And you have Rod Bray, who said, we're not going to do this, and anyone who fights me on this, I'm going to remove you from any chairmanship and and we're all sitting back as Republicans and conservatives saying, Bray, what the heck are you doing, man? Like this, we're not even. You're. This was just for bringing it up for debate. I mean, we're not even saying that it was going to be. You just you were trying to you were trying to remove the transparency and protect people who didn't want to put their mark on where they really stood on the abortion issue, and and that ticks me off. I this would give Democrats. Like like Democrats, Republicans, Independents, I can't see why anyone would 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 be against this because it gives voice to people. And to your point earlier, Doctor Stock, if you're speaking truth, what do you have to fear? What do you have to fear? The only time you fear this is if you know you're not on the side of truth. And I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian. I want to be on the side of truth. If the Republicans aren't on the yep. side of truth, then then prove it and let's get on the side of truth, you know? Well, in fact, that, to me, that's a really big issue. The only person who doesn't like a debate is a tyrant. Um, in the end of the day, if, the, if we debate something and the population doesn't like the thing we debate, we'll turn it down. The, you know, the, a lot of this is designed upon the idea that, oh, we have to fear mob rule. 
Well, I've never seen a mod yet go into a debate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't want, they didn't want mods to. Um, so, so this is a, a straw man that scares people. The other thing that gives us a real reason I think we can pull this off here is you have to remember that to get this passed, it just has to be a majority. It doesn't have to be a majority of Republicans or majority of Democrats. And the Democrats right now have less than a third of the members in both chambers. So basically nothing they want to have debated, nothing that they would like to show to their constituents they worked hard for, uh, they might as well not even come into the session. Um, if we have enough of the uh, upset Republicans who say, hey, this legislature doesn't work, join with a group of Democrats who say, well, it sure doesn't work for me, um, we probably are going to get pretty doggone close if we don't already have the votes to do this. I think there's a lot of legislators in both chambers who have begun to realize that in December when they tried to change the speaker, pro, the president pro tem, what they were trying to do was change the king. And what they needed to do was make sure there was no kingdom. Mm. Um, and I think that realization is starting to strike many legislatures like it did the 20 holdouts in the Indi in the uh, federal house where they said, look, the, the problem we have here is that we have kings. We need to not have kings. Yeah. This concentrated power is dangerous to all of us. After all, if you think Klaus Schwab's going to lead you to the promised land, uh, you probably are already a member of the world economic forum. If you're not a member of the World Economic Forum, and that takes billions of dollars to join it, then you don't want them to have that power. They're not going to take care of you the way you will take care of yourself. Well, you'll own nothing and be happy, right? Isn't that the uh, right. famous quote of of, of Schwab yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so. I think there's a lot of legislators in both chambers who have begun to realize that, no, we need not to have a kingdom anymore. Yeah. Um, this is... this. You know, they're not going to take care of us. The leader of this chamber is not going to be my friend with this power he's gotten from me. And that's really a breakthrough understanding that we need every legislator to go with and, and to feel comfortable that we'll back them on. And I want to stress that to anybody who's listening to this. It's really tempting to hear this and say, well, you know, that dirty, nasty legislator. And I tell people, well, you got to understand his situation. Um, if he wants to get anything done, he has to play by this game. And he's not really sure you're going to back him when he tries to change the rules. We need them to, with confidence, say, these people are going to support me if I change these rules. They'll recognize the importance of what I tried to do, and they'll go after my carotid if I don't. <laughs> um, you know, the carrot and the stick is a good thing used in combination. We have really good legislators who are going to respond to the carrot. We have mediocre ones who are going to look around to see if they're both a carrot and a stick. We got some lousy ones who need to see the stick coming. Yeah. Um, this allows the people of any constituency to both wield the carrot and the stick. Mm. And that's important. You know, these, these legislators are human beings too. Um, and, you know, it's very easy for a human being to get lost inside of himself. Um, if he's being made to look at all the people around him that he represents, he's going to do a better job in that representation. Uh, and, and this is, it's fascinating, Dr. Stock. I, I appreciate what you're doing and the time you've put into Absolutely. this. This is, this is awesome. I love it. And um, so, so last step here, if people are listening to this, where can they go to help you? What do you need them to do? Well, because what we're assembling is a coalition of groups, on any side of any of any topic. So I tell people, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of the Convention of States. John Birch Society doesn't support the Convention of States. I'd love the people of John Birch Society to go to their leadership and say, you know what? We may not like Dan Stock's Convention of States, but we want these rules changed the legislature to work right. Contact Dan Stock at drstock at purehealthmed.com and become part of that coalition for legislative rule reform. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, you're part of Hoosiers for Medical Liberty, Stand for Health Freedom, um, whether you're um, Indiana First Audit. I'm reaching out to all of these groups. Um, and I'm hoping since the uh, Indiana, Central Indiana Tea Party Coalition, I've already reached out to them and, and lots of good feedback from them. We want to be able to assemble a list of groups and a number of people in those groups that they have contact information for so that we can go to these legislators and say, hey, look, this is the number of people who now know what's been going on. 
Um, and that's the way we can get this going is get to your group of whatever group you're on and tell them, hey, look, we want to be part of this. It doesn't really matter what the subject matter of your group is. You know, whether you're on either side of an abortion debate or election integrity or whether you're a group about taxes, um, we all are going to benefit from debate. And if we can show these legislators that, hey, the cat's out of the bag, we all understand it now, we know the changes we want, um, this is going to happen. And just have them contact me at drstock at purehealthmed.com. We're hoping shortly to have a website up where we can put down all the members of this coalition uh, that have agreed to do this. Our plan is that we're going to send out emails to all of these groups that join, explaining to their groups exactly why this has become necessary to do and what we're trying to do in the hopes that we can get this number of constituents so great that a legislator says, hey, if I'm a lousy legislature, I'm afraid to, I'm a legislator, I'm afraid to cut them. And if I'm a good legislator, I can feel I've got the support of my people. That's great. I, I think that's amazing. So if you're listening to this and you are a part of a group or want to get into this, even if you're not a part of a group, you know, just email Dr. Stock at drstock at purehealthmed.com and uh, and say, hey, I'd love to join you in this fight. If you're a leader of a group or part of a group and you can say, I would love to join you in this fight and we have 5,000 emails on our email list and we will commit to sending out info on behalf of this movement um, when you when you when you need us to because that's that's kind of what we're doing here we're trying to we're trying to let the legislators know say hey we've got we've got 200,000 people that are ready to be informed about these changes that need to happen all around the state so you don't want to be on the wrong side of this issue mr. legislator or mrs. legislator and 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 you need to make sure that uh, you you do these you you vote for these changes. And so um, anyway, all that to say, if you're listening, please email Dr. Stock at drstock at purehealthmed.com or reach out to us here at Jesus Sex and Politics. Um, you can find us on Facebook or you know come comment uh, Micah Beckwith for Indiana. Go to my Facebook and I'll I'll be sure to to point you in the right direction as well. And and Dr. Stock, we just want to say a big uh, a big thank you to you uh, for Absolutely. what you're doing. This is, Thank you. This is awesome. Um, uh, amazing, amazing stuff that you've got going on, and, and we look forward to seeing where this goes. So keep it up. Well, no, I'm too scared to do nothing because I'm afraid we're all going to be marching in lockstep Nazi, Nazi behavior if we don't. <laughs> I want everybody to know, if you're part of any group, I'll be happy to come to your group and, and, and talk and do this lecture uh, I have a slide presentation I can do. If you don't want that, you can just hear my mouth run, and I can tell you examples of how these legislatures have actually done us less than they could have done. Right now, we can't afford a mediocre legislature. Uh, we need a really good one to be going on right now. Amen. And uh, yeah. I have to come to groups and do this lecture and talk people, you know, explain this to them, how it works, uh, explain why we have the language. We have a white paper written up, which has got all the language of exactly how we want these rules uh, changed in both chambers so they read this way. If there's any listeners from out of the state of Indiana, and you know you've got the same problem in your legislature, and you do, by the way, um, <laughs> I am happy to help you with that one, too. Uh, that's great, and and if you're uh, you know if you're someone a legislator listening to this and and you want to you know re have a rebuttal or you don't think this would work, we'd love to hear why. You know, I think again, come we're, on the show. We're, yeah, we're not we're not we love debate, right? So if, you know, point out, and I'm sure Doctor Stock would love to hear why. So email him, call him, call us. You know, come on the show. Like we would love to hear the reasons that are against us. Again, this is about this is about creating the environment for open debate debate and discussion and let truth win the day. That's all we're asking. Let truth win the day. I don't see why anyone would, would disagree with that unless they are on the side of lies and they know it. So Dr. Stock, thank you. So that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Hey, you keep it up and, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll keep our listeners informed. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I very much appreciate your time and attention. Thank you. Yeah, have a good day. Bye-bye. Cool, man. So that's... What do you think about that? I'm curious, you know, I, the, the scripture that comes to my mind is where the people, uh, where uh, the people perish for lack of knowledge, right? Is the, and, and he said something earlier. He, he said, uh, he said, 
you, the people don't, don't really know what's going on or how the process works. And this is going to actually teach them how the process works. It's going to empower them. And, and I'm thinking, you know, we're fighting for our existence for this generation and next generation. And, and, but, but we are, we're dying. We're losing because we don't know how this stuff even works. And I think what Dr. Stock is doing, he's, he's bringing the knowledge. Well, without a doubt, there, there's part of me that, that is just saddened to think about that the average person, I think they, they go to vote in November, you know, they may go vote in May, maybe, right? The, if, if they're, well, if they're, I would, you, know, you, you hope that they go yeah, vote in May, yeah. right? But they go, go vote in November and they don't understand how the things work. And my, my concern is as Americans, we probably have gotten to a point where we care about the rules in the National Football League more mm-hmm. than we care about the rules of government that actually really affect our lives. Yeah. You know, we don't really follow rule changes. We don't we know we lo- we we can't stand bad refs. And we do all have an opinion when the rules change. That's a stupid rule. Yeah. You know, or something yeah, yeah. like that. How's that fair? That is so stupid. That's a catch. You know, rewind it, play it again, show yeah. it. But but there's so much. Can't tackle this. the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that's that's a that's a regular football tackle. What are you doing right now, giving that guy a penalty? That that makes no sense. The but the thing I think that we have to do is is to realize you know what he what he just said. If if yeah. we don't, we're going to be walking in step with with Nazism. If we don't get our heads out of the the things in this life that don't matter so much, yeah. and uh, my brother's been going through 1984. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, I I read that book later. Had he ever, has he ever read it? No, before? it was the first time he had ever oh, read wow. it before. Wow, or in and, and and you see so much. It's like these people have made a playbook of. This oh, they thing. they took it and. I almost feel like maybe that wasn't good for uh, uh, Orwell to They're like, to write work. it because, because they like it's exactly what they need to do to take over the world. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's terrible, but you know, entertain them. And and somebody was talking about I don't know where I saw that, but it was talking about like you know things that get our attention off of those things that really matter. Something like this, right? Um, but 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 it becomes entertainment that does that. Mm-hmm. So are we being lulled? into a sense of we're not going to care about these things that are really important. When I was a kid, and I know you're the oldest brother, you know, uh, uh, of, of several brothers and, you know, I'm, I'm the youngest brother of three brothers. We would, on Friday nights, we would play, you know, whatever game that we picked at uh, accident, allies, risk, you know, monopoly, whatever the game was. And we would argue the rules all the time because they matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you come back to this, I can't win. I can't win fairly. I don't even want to try. And how many people who are good people who would run for office, they, they have the finances to do it. They have the, 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 the wherewithal to, to push through, look at this and go, if I do all that work to get there and I can't get anything done, why would I waste my time? Yep. You know? Yeah. And, I think that's just real, real talk about where, and that's, and you know what, that's exactly what those in power who have control. I look, I think of the Mitch McConnell's of the world who don't want to give up their power. The Nancy Pelosi's who don't want to give up their power. They don't want the rules to change because it keeps those good people who would come in and shake things up out of the game. It, it, It keeps them out. And we've seen this on both sides of the aisle. This isn't a Republican Democrat, you know, or a Republican thing only or Democrat thing only. This is, there is bipartisanship when it comes to keeping the average Joe out of the game with the rules. Did you ever, when you were a kid, did you ever develop a house rule for a game that you were playing? Oh yeah. You're like yeah. house rule. Yeah. This is the Beckwith That's rule. Right, this yeah. is the Peter Nell rule. Yeah. And, and so you improved the game by being able to fix it where it needed to be fixed. This yeah. is, this has um, been taken, <laughs> or we, we or if you're the oldest brother, you you uh, you, don't, you, you improve. <laughs> I hear tyranny about to speak. 
you you make the rules so that it's a lot harder for you to lose uh, when you're playing the game. So my brothers would punch <laughs> me anytime that I disagreed. <laughs> Shut up, and they'd punch me. And they're pastors. I know. What the heck? I know. Violent. Aaron and Paul. Come on. So yeah, that's funny. Video games was was something though that helped because they couldn't get in and change the rules of video that's games. Right. Yeah. So if I hit a home run on you. Suck it up, yeah. cupcake. I just did it. But, of course, they'd beat on me. You're one of those older brothers. You're hey, the oldest brother. You better be careful. On. You better be careful. They, you might end up like William and, and Harry, the younger brother, might go on Oprah and say uh, how you were abused because my, my, my brother beat up on me, you know? like uh, so. You're, uh, yeah. your, your brother Daniel plays Call of Duty with me at, at night sometimes, and uh, he said something the other day. And I, and I responded to him. His text back to me was, okay, Micah, <laughs> with, with this straight, straight line smiley face, you know, I'm like, you probably deserve it. He, he, listen, <laughs> listen, uh, to, to that I say, you know, there's, there's a, there's healthiness in that big brother, uh, abuse, you know, like it builds character. That's what, that's what I, that's what I said. You look at you, you're the youngest. They beat on you. Aaron and Paul beat on you and you turned out fabulous. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, of, Aaron. I got a lot of, got a lot of triggers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I spent funny. a lot of time on a couch talking about my mother. <laughs> no. uh, that's funny. Well, hey, if you uh, if you've been listening to this, we hope uh, you you learned a lot. I I know I did. I, I did too. Yeah, I yeah, mean it's that a, it's was really interesting. So interesting, very informative, and we also hope you kind of kind of know where to go. So email Doctor Stock Dr Stock at purehealthmed.com. and uh, that's like med like medical. Um, and and so email him. Say, hey, I want to get involved with this movement. Um, you can reach out to us here at Jesus, Sex, and Politics or uh, on our Facebook or Instagram, and we'll, we'll connect with you as well. But um, this is really, we gotta, we're building a tsunami of support. So that way, then we can go to the legislators and say, there are so many people in Indiana that are behind this. You, if you want to, if you want to fight this, all right, go for it. But you're going to be known as the guy who's fighting something that's going to bring transparency and robust debate to the floor. And I don't think you want to be that guy. And if you're listening to this in other, in other States, do the same thing in your state, build a tsunami of support. Again, this is a, if in Indiana, we live in a supermajority Republican state, the house and the Senate have supermajorities. We have a Republican governor. I actually look at this as well, saying, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Republican, we will use that term loosely in this case, but we, um, we, I, I'm looking at forward to going to Democrats and saying, Hey, this will actually give you guys more of a, of a voice. And I, as a conservative Republican, want you guys to have more of a voice yeah. because guess what? I'm not afraid of your ideas. I know that our ideas as Republicans are much better, but we're more than happy to let your voices be elevated mm -hmm. in the in the road, robust debate. So you guys would want this too, and they're going. Why would they turn that down? Right now, the Democrats in Indiana are irrelevant. They don't. They can't do or they can't do anything. And so I would think that they would love this because this is only going to give them an opportunity to let their voices be heard. And and mm -hmm. as Republicans, if you're afraid of that, well then you don't know truth well enough or you can't defend it. Either way, you shouldn't be in this battle. There are plenty of people who know truth, who can defend it. I'm not afraid of the Democrats coming to the floor with, with their ideas because, mm -hmm. frankly, their ideas are so stupid, they're easy mm -hmm. to debate. I like to do it. It's so easy to undermine their, their philosophy. It's fun. It's a hobby. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, It's like it's easy. But... Anyway, all that to say, I still want them to have a voice. Uh, it's just, uh, that's, I, I think that's good. And if you live in a state like, uh, I've got a, a, a friend in Rhode Island. She's uh, the leader of the, the Senate uh, and the Republicans in Rhode Island. Uh, there's five Republicans in that Senate. So she's, she's the leader of five people. Um, but There's only six people in Rhode Island. But <laughs> That's right, okay. So she's, it's, the, it's the minority over there. They are the minority in mm -hmm. big time, right? But this would even be something that they could potentially bring to the table to the people of Rhode Island and say, hey, don't you guys want transparency? Right. Don't you guys want robust debate? And, and, I, and I think you'd have Democrats in a supermajority Democrat state like Rhode Island is 
to say, yeah, we're not getting quite the bills that we want because our leadership is crony sometimes, Mm -hmm. and we want to hold them accountable too. It's the same thing on both sides of the aisle. And so this is a great solution to bring a little bit of honesty and a little bit of transparency and openness to, um, to our legislative process. Yeah, without a doubt. So, all right. Well, hey, we are about an hour on a, on the dot right there. Look at that. That was, that was pretty good. I don't think, are we supposed to go for an hour? I think we're probably not supposed to go for an hour. I think Maria is like, keep it under 30 or else, you know, like, well, <laughs> yes, I, I know she how listens, Maria feels. Maria has to listen to all of our sermons. She listens to everything we do to make sure that we, uh, we don't say anything that's going to get her a bunch of emails and cancel culture coming after her. So <laughs> she, she's like, she's like, keep it under 30 minutes for the love. But uh, well, she wants us to grow. She feels true. like the hour, you know, it's, just a it's oppressive. Long. And we figured that you just need something on your way to work and on your way yeah, back from work. 30 minutes. That's right. She lives across the street from the church. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, this has been Jesus, Sex, and Politics. Thanks for listening today. Do you want to say your line? No, I want you to say oh, your yeah. line. We messed it up hey, last time. Hey, I think we're talking about things that scare you. We talk about (laughs) all the things that scare you. See you next time.